Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, football fans, welcome back to the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. This is episode 41 of the podcast, and this is another edition of what we've been calling Joe Talk. That's two Joes, me, Joe Serpico, Joey Brovax on the other line. Say what's up, my friend. Hey, what's up? How we doing? Oh, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's just start with this. We're going to apologize right from the get-go for not giving an episode out last week. But we did try. We will admit that, Joey. Tell them we did try. We did, me and you did have a nice hour-and-a-half conversation with each other. Yeah, we had a, what we would like to call a uh, nice Skype date is what we had. Yes, very nice Skype date. And we talked for a good while about football to ourselves. But I guess, hey, that's what we're doing anyways right now, right? We really don't know if anybody's really listening. So That's true. We, we do what we, what we do anyways. But we thought that that episode was one of our best yet because we had some fiery takes on that one considering – the new playoff rankings at that time. Well, a lot of what we talked about last week that didn't get recorded, it's going to get recorded tonight. And there might be even more fire takes this week just because there's a lot of things that the two of us don't agree about. And obviously, in regards UCF's full ranking, uh, my argument last week is what I didn't make sense to me was the fact that UCF started the initial rankings at 18. They come to week two that are 18. Now we move into this new week, and they're at number 15. I mean, we can go on and on about the teams that are ahead of them. We are going to go on and on, actually, about the teams that are ahead of them. But in the end, and I kind of want to bring up, like I did when we did not get recorded the last time, was something that Jason Kirk from the uh, mothership at SB Nation put, and it was perfectly said, and that's kind of going to be the basis of the show, to be honest. And what that was is, the college football playoff committee should either admit that movies UCF up or the non-power teams aren't playoff eligible. What do you think, Joey? I mean, I think it's pretty it's pretty safe to say if a nine and UCF team can't be, you know, well at number fifteen where they're at and they're undefeated and they just because of the fact that they are not a power conference, but they're not in this, you know, at least not in the top ten yet. And then I'm going to a little bit make my uh, case as to a team that is in the top ten that they should be uh, compared to. But, you know, tell me what you think about the whole situation where it's kind of like almost a slap in the face at this point to to the American, that the fact that UCF isn't getting ranked higher. Well, yeah, I think that's – I agree with the question. The question was, are they a competitor or – does the committee think that the conference isn't strong enough for them to get up there? And I I think the answer is the committee doesn't think the conference is strong enough because if they were, I feel like they'd be higher. I don't know if they'd be in the top ten, but I think 
the fact that they're at 15 and they only have two games left pretty much shows that there's no way that a group of five team can get in to the actual playoffs. Now, maybe if they had, like, like Houston's schedule last year, they'd probably be, if they were 9-0 with that schedule, they'd be in there. But I guess that just kind of confirms that teams in this group, these group of five conferences need to start scheduling tougher schedules, I guess. Yeah, but I just don't understand at this point, like, why some of the teams that are ahead of them are there. And the argument I'm going to make is the same one that I've made last week. Uh, and that was the whole discussion about a Wisconsin team that's undefeated. What is the honest difference between UCF and Wisconsin? We keep hearing this discussion about how, you know, Wisconsin, it can't crack into the top four because their strength of schedule isn't well enough. Well, they're in one of those power conferences, right? And they're at least getting the shot to be ranked number five. UCF is not getting that opportunity. They're not even getting into the discussion of being in the top ten, which is something that makes no sense, considering the fact that a lot of the numbers are similar between the two teams, and that is their numbers against winning teams. Uh, UCF actually is better in that. The S&P numbers that SB Nation uses, uh, UCF is better in a lot of those categories too. The common opponent, if you want to go that route, is they both played Maryland this year, and the score was basically the same. One team won 38-10, the other one won 38-13. So my argument there is why is the Big Ten team so much better than the American team? And then if you look at the number of teams that are in the top 25 for the Big Ten and the number of teams that are in the top 25 for the American, it's not like there's a crazy difference. And then I'm going to start in another little bit to talk about what is the whole point of having the coaches poll, an AP poll, and then a college football playoff rankings. Like, what's the point of all three of these things? Right. I don't. I completely agree. The AP poll and the coaches poll are pretty much worthless at this point. I don't know why you have a selection committee that does rankings. It seems kind of strange to me. I get that in their description it's to put together the top 25, but their selection committee. They're not they're picking the four teams that are gonna make the playoff. Like it'd be if college basketball did I mean, since tonight's a big night for college basketball, if college basketball did this, they'd be ranking the top twenty five and we'd have the same issue. So I don't I don't understand, yeah, what the point of having these three polls are because only one matters and even they like I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. They start really late in the season and their selection committee that ranks the teams for, like, the last quarter of the season. So I, I just I don't get it. Yeah, I really don't get it, too. And the whole selection committee thing, that's really um, helping out a particular brand, I feel. I feel like that's the only reason why that really exists, because in the end, they're the ones that got to play the game, so they really want to look out for in their best interest of what's going to make people watch the most, if everybody can catch my drift on that one. But here, so I just want to keep diving into just a little bit more numbers because there's other things that I really don't understand. So UCF at 15, I already dived into why I think I should be a lot higher, but now I brought up earlier a Washington State team. Why does a Washington State team that beats an unranked Utah team by just a mere eight points get to jump ahead of UCF? What have they done that is so incredible that makes them jump ahead of them. I mean, we're talking about a nice team that is undefeated, and they're still not getting any love. 
Right, I agree. I don't know what. It, it, maybe it's the win against Stanford the week before. I don't. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not the committee, so I have no idea. I guess another point I'll add to that is: Would you want if you're picking playoff teams? Would you want a two-loss team that has not a ton of momentum, like like TCU? They just got killed by Oklahoma. They're not a terrible team, obviously, but they don't have a ton of momentum. So do you want a team that's played a good schedule but has two losses, or do you want a team that's going to come in hot like UCF because they're undefeated and they have a winning streak going? So I guess it doesn't make sense to me to pick a team, oh, well, they, they're they probably better because they played a better schedule, but they have two losses over a team that is coming in hot. And I know it's not something you can put into numbers, but momentum is a thing that, is really important, and I think if you put a, U- a UCF team in one of these scenarios, they have a chance, and if you're putting a two-loss team, even like, like Washington State, I think you're just flipping a coin at that point. I can't argue anything you just said there, just more than the fact because, like you said, they are red-hot teams, and then we were talking as a group with the rest of the guys at uh, Underdog Dynasty how Past history seems to be a thing that is really a factor in some of these decisions, and that's really what blows my mind is the fact that boys. I mean, I know that they're the, the. I think they finished at twenty-five. I don't have the number right in front of me right now, but they're in the discussion and a USF team that. I mean, for most of the season, was in a ranked team. They lost one game to a respectable, and I, I mean, I feel as American conference fans that we're going to say that, a respectable Houston team. But then if you turn around and look at uh, Boise State, it's not like their wins are any, or excuse me, their, their wins are anything crazy. And their losses, I mean, they got a loss to Washington State, who I've already made my argument, I don't think should be above UCF. And then they have a, a huge loss at home against UVA. So it's just one of those things I just don't understand. The whole selections committee as a thing is just I, there is no possible chance for a non-power team to get in there. So that's going to bring up a whole discussion, which, like we said last week, we're going to talk about it again. We're going to dive into it. Me and you have two things we're kind of going to talk about, and that is the fact that we're both in agreement that an 18 playoff will ultimately – solve all these problems here, then that will give a non-power team finally a shot to maybe win it all. But I also want to bring up the argument of the G5 playoff, which isn't popular. I understand that a lot of schools are not popular with that decision. But in these times right now, if you're going to keep the discussion between four teams, I'm going to make the argument right now, just in fact, look at Notre Dame. They just got blown out by Miami. They have lo- they have two losses. And yes, their two losses are a lot better than arguably any loss or excuse me any win that the UCF has on the schedule. But they should be, in my eyes, should be ahead of a Notre Dame team just because of the fact that they are an undefeated team. So they still have no shot in the end. So why not have this G5 playoff? I don't understand what is the big deal behind it for some of these small cops. It gives them something to play for. Some of these bowl games, there's nothing behind them. There's no reason to play them. 
these schools, what is, what do they get by playing some of these bowl games? You know, they playing against. I mean, obviously, if you're a G5 school playing a power school, yeah, okay, you're going to be a little bit more amped up because you have something to prove. But if when it is two G5 schools kind of playing against each other, what is the point? And to be frank, and I mean, not just to be rude to G5 schools either. They don't draw the same coverage either, so people don't really get up for them, and they're really just exhibition games in the end anyways. Right, but I think the one thing that keeps these smaller schools going is that opportunity to play against a Power 5 school and show their worth, which, granted, there's only one or two of these games, and we'll dive into this a little bit later, but one of the examples in our latest bowl projections is Navy's playing Georgia Tech. Outside of those two schools, no one's watching that game, and it doesn't mean anything. But I think because the bowl games are still around, it's going to keep that group of five playoff from happening. Now, if like you, you mentioned earlier, if expansion isn't going to happen, we're going to stay at four teams in the regular playoff, and no, there's going to be no chance of a group of five team making it. And if honestly, if the scheduling for these group of five teams stays the same, or they can't win the schedule that they have, then it's something that has to be seriously considered because if this, if say this keeps happening for the next five to ten years, same scenario keeps coming up, it's not going to happen. Nothing's going to magically change all of a sudden. Like these, this, a UCF isn't going to make the playoff just magically because I just, I don't even know what they're expecting. If nothing changes, I don't understand why they would expect things to change. So playoff like this isn't a completely ridiculous idea. It might be right now, but in the long run, it's not a completely terrible idea. I feel like not long ago when we had this whole discussion about playoffs and the BCS or even any of the any of those scenarios that have been coming up in the past couple of years, the discussion at the end of the season used to always be, all right, which teams are undefeated? And I can remember the years and years past when, you know, those years where Boise would be really good and everyone would always feel like, well, they should be up there in discussion. And they would at least be a lot higher ranked than a team like UCF is getting ranked right now. And obviously, Boise never really ever got the shot. Uh, we can never forget, obviously, the game with the uh, with the play where the Ian Johnson or with the game with where in the end that Ian Johnson proposes to his girlfriend and whatnot. That game was obviously memorable in every reason. And it kind of proved that, hey, the underdog really does have a shot against these guys. And, you know, we saw it with UCF just years ago when they when they won uh, the, the the bowl game against. And I, I don't know why I can never remember who they played that year. It always cracks on Baylor. Baylor, that's who it is. Yeah, so I just remember the Bortles being the quarterback. Yeah, and, that, you know, just it just proves that, that if given the opportunity, it's totally there. So I don't understand why now we're in this all of a sudden era where we're talking about how a undefeated team is ranked behind teams with two losses just because, and that's what it is, that's the thing now, just because it is not a power conference. There is no other obvious explanation than that, that these schools that are not the big schools, the ones with all the money behind them, 
And I feel like that that could be part of the problem as well because, hey, who in the end is throwing up the money to be on these big networks? It's the it's the Power Five schools. So I feel like that's part of the problem. I mean, we all know about the discrepancies in the money that those Power Five schools are making over the G5 schools and the difference between just even the American compared to the rest of the G5 schools is kind of drastic as well. And so it's just one of those things where the really, uh, we kind of talked about it, like I said earlier, as a group, it comes down to the brand is just looking out for certain things that helps out them and these schools like UCF and Memphis, who I think are should be a little bit higher, and I've, we've made my argument about USF should be in there, at least over a team Boise, in my eyes. Uh, I do, don't get me wrong, I think Boise should possibly be in discussion too. I kind of like the fact that there is finally another G5 uh, conference being represented finally. But it's just one of those things where admit at this point that a G5 school has no shot so that, hey, let them do their own thing and go to the G5 playoff, which, hey, we can argue at this point is going to be week 14 when UCF and USF go against each other and then the AAC championship game. Yeah, and I think what's me more frustrating is I think that before a G5 playoff even happens that schools like Houston and UCF and USF will just leave these conferences because there's like there's really no benefit for them to stay in there just to play with these smaller schools that don't have a chance to play with the big boys because these conferences want they want parity and they want the gap between the power five and the group of five to shrink. Which is not. I don't want care what anybody says. Like there's there's a the gap between the top teams in some of the conferences and the bottom teams of the Power Five conferences is closing, or even the gaps, there's no gap. Like, the top teams from Group of Five conferences are better than those bottom teams from the Power Five. But the gap as a whole is not closing, and it's not going to close ever. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, you look at you look at UConn and East, ECU from the AAC this year. There's no way they're even close to any single Power Five team. Maybe like Illinois, but if you're picking like one or two, maybe three schools from those five conferences. So like the gap isn't going to change. So I think before a playoff even happens, these teams that are near the top are just going to leave because they don't, they're not going to see a value of staying in a conference that's not going to get them the coverage that you just talked about. They're not going to get the TV deals because they're in the AAC where they're not getting any love or any recognition. So they're just going to leave to a conference that's going to give them that opportunity, and then that way they can show that they can compete with everybody. All right, I can kind of see what you're saying there, but I can also, I feel like I can just build off of that argument. Say those schools leave, all right? Say the American, for some reason, does dismantle, because obviously it does seem like if any schools are going to be plucked, it will be those schools in Florida and Houston. Those, I feel like, are the obvious three. It'll be the first three to go. So the Americans say it does fall apart, or uh, they scoop up, you know, these other schools that are independents or anything of that nature. It still doesn't end the fact that these G5 schools still have nothing to play for. And, all right, those three schools can go. Last year it was a Western Michigan team that was the one that went undefeated, and they had no shot. 
So in the end, again, they had nothing to play for at the end of the season. So why not have a G5 playoff? Why not give them something to play off at the end of the season? You know, we have some of these bowl games where it is, like I said, it is already G5 schools going against the G5 schools. Make those playoff games for, like the FCS does, you know, make them playoff games for the G5 schools. Why not do that? I feel like you can make that argument, like you said, you know, some of those schools are going to be plucked. And, yeah, I do kind of agree with you. That probably will end up being the ultimate scenario that those schools like that will be plucked. But, you know, I can still make that counter-argument there. So, hey, you still give those schools at the end of the season something to play for. As of right now, they have nothing. What gives, you know, why should the FCS have something to play for and then these, you know, these teams – who are supposed to be better competition, they they really have nothing to play for. Right, and the FCS, you could say, I mean, people are going to argue that they, there's a gap between the group of five and the FCS, but yet the FCS still has a playoff, and I don't think anybody really is mad that they have a playoff. I, I've yet to hear that, so... It sure gets aired on TV, right? Right, so I don't... It does get, so it, in the end, the TV people still get, got to get their money. Now, exactly. still airing it. Yeah, exactly. And I, the one thing to bring Tanner's bowl projections up again, like one of the games is Central Michigan against Georgia State. Who freaking cares? Yes. Who cares? A game, a game like that, like that is a game that for a lot of, I mean, unless you're those two fan bases, what is your reason to watch it? Right. Or FIU Akron. Who who cares? Nobody cares about that game. Yeah, the, yeah. Okay, I get I get it. The, the team's that are playing in those games are the teams that care. The people that are associated with those programs care. The people who are obsessed with college football care. But that is not a big group. In the end, even the people that care a ton about college football, a majority of them don't care about these smaller schools, so they're not going to watch a game like that. That means absolutely nothing. FAU Akron, I'm not going to probably watch the game, and I probably won't even know the score next year, or and I'm definitely going to not, not know what the year after because it's going to be that uneventful and it's not going to mean anything. So I see your point with having a playoff. I know that it's not going to happen soon. And I, I'm kind of with you in, like, that's definitely an option. It's just not an option right now. But like I said, some of these games, it really doesn't matter. Like, we have so many bowl games that it's just diluted and the excitement factor with these games just goes down significantly because, I mean, there's some some 6-6 six and six teams that are going to be playing another 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five team, and nobody's going to watch because, it, it like, like we just said, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and then just to throw that in there, I mean, some of these teams that are going to get the six wins, they're only at six wins because, hey, maybe they had a, you know, they had a, cake out of conference schedule that had maybe two FCS teams in there and not to just keep beating up on the FCS. I mean, I mean there's plenty of teams that are in that scenario that, hey, they, you know, they got two easy wins in there and then they scrapped their way to, you know, get to six wins. They have no business playing in, in some of these, these bowl games. And then I remember last year, and I can't remember off the top of my head which teams they were, but there was a couple five and seven teams in bowl games and you're just like, what? Well, it really makes no sense. 
if you want to make these bowl games something worth people watching for, giving them an incentive, make it have a playoff behind it. Hey, do or die. Do or die situations, obviously, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. It brings more excitement to anything. So it, brings the, make, it brings the best out of my athletes, and I think that's, that's what we love about sports. Exactly. So, like, these games, you know, just you just said it. That's what brings the best out of sports. So, like, it brings the best out in these games. All these games, when there's something on the line, all these postseason or, or bowl games, I mean, I keep calling them postseason games. They're not postseason games because they don't matter. I mean, I guess they're postseason because they're at once the season's over, but they're, they don't matter. They're games that really don't matter unless – at this point, unless you're in the top four, it really doesn't matter. Unless, you know, because we, we can make that argument that some of these, when a G5 school is going to play against a, a Power 5 school, they want to prove a point. But then you get the scenario where it's vice versa, where some of these Power 5 schools are just like, ah, we're playing the school, so they shut down. So you're like, you don't even know if you're getting, you know, they're not, they're not even getting their best effort. So it's just one of those things where... Make all these bowl games count in some way, and I feel like if the if the correspondent, you know, the bowl people, the advertisement, whatever you want to call it, if they really were to sit down and think about it, I think that makes the most sense too, because they would make more money in that situation if all these games actually meant something. As of right now, none of these games really mean anything unless you're in that top four. Guess you got nothing there. Uh, yeah, I got. I mean, I, I could just go on and on about. I mean, one thing I'll bring up, I guess, is I'll bring up. Well, I guess we can just kind of talk about more about the whole 18 playoff because we both agree that in the end that that really is the best scenario, at least for our to go back to our discussion about you know, a G5 school in the current scenario. I guess to say. Of making, the, but I feel like that's really the only way that a school like that has a shot. And eight teams is the perfect number. I think four was a. I mean, I get it. We didn't want two, so we didn't. And we didn't want to go overboard, so we just went to four, which is fine. But I think there's been so many issues. Not so many issues, I said, but there's been so much debate with the three playoffs that we've had. Even in the first year, there were six teams that could have made it. And there's controversy between teams four through six, and the fourth-ranked team ended up winning it. So you're telling me that teams five and six couldn't win it? So, And the, another thing is the reason – well, not the reason, but a reason why the college basketball tournament, the Final Four, is so exciting is because anybody can win. Those small schools have a chance. Now, football's a little bit different because it's more of a physical game, but – you see it like give UCF a chance. What do you, like what do you have to lose? If anything, it gives you another storyline to follow. And if they somehow make a magical run and make it to the championship game, what, who who's going to be mad about that besides the teams that they're beating? No, nobody. That's the thing. Nobody's going to be mad about it. And I think in the end, it's that's why I think part of it is about the bottom dollar. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm, we hear so much about the SEC, and I don't want to take anything away from them because it is by far, when you look at it, the best conference. Alabama is by far the best team. I, I don't think there's any argument of that. But 
they're, they're so talked about. And then if you think about who owns the SEC network, it's like in the end, it's there's a lot of money thrown to certain teams, and that's part of the reason why a team that's in, say, the American will never get a legitimate shot. Because like I said earlier, what is the real difference between UCF and Wisconsin? Almost all the numbers are statistically the same. Almost all of them. The only difference is one is a power conference, one is not. Yeah, I think last week's win might change it a little bit, but yeah, I, I'm, I get what you're saying. It's it's hard when you look at teams that are easily comparable. Like there's minor differences between the two, but yet you have was this kind of fifth. There's a ten rank difference between the two. Yeah, ten. Yeah, you're right. Uh, ten. And then you know, just to look. I mean, UCF's strength of schedule is not much different. I mean, they have, like I said earlier, they have that common opponent. And UCF, it's not like UCF is just getting by in these games, too. Like Their average margin of victory is almost four touchdowns. I mean, it basically is. It's 27.9 points. Right. And before this week, that was the biggest thing with Alabama, is they, didn't, like, they hadn't beaten anybody yet, which, granted, it's Alabama, so like, let's not go down that road. But they, they didn't beat anybody of... To, like nobody noteworthy, but they were beating them by a lot. And then when it comes to UCF, it's like that just kind of goes out the door because they're in it, not in a Power Five conference. Exactly. Like why does that? Why does the criteria change? Because like UCF's killing everybody. So you're telling me, oh, they can score seventy against a team that's not great, or they they can score the same amount of points against a Power Five team that another Power Five team did, like Wisconsin did with Maryland. But they still belong 10 points lower than Wisconsin. It doesn't make sense. You know, for most of the season, the AAC, well, I don't want to say most of the season, but within the past six weeks on, the AAC, for the most part, has had three teams that have been ranked, right? The same can be said for the Big Ten. Maybe right. four, excuse me, four, because maybe all of a sudden Iowa snuck in there as of late, and then Michigan went on, or Michigan State, excuse me, went on their run. But then other than that, like, what is so impressive about the Big Ten this year? And I know that we we never got really got into it, because, but you're not so high on, say, an Ohio State team this year who's got two losses, and Penn State's momentum has died down since they've had two losses. And so, and the whole reason, and I said it earlier, that Wisconsin's not allowed in, into the top four, is because they don't, their strength of schedule isn't as good. So what is the difference between the two? It it would have to be the depth. That's the only thing that's different but between those conferences. I guess they have they have bad teams. Illinois, Illinois is okay, and I yeah okay. right. Illinois is bad, and it's not ECU bad. I yeah I. I but if you look at like if you bad. yeah if you look at the AAC though like ECU is bad, UConn is bad, Tulsa is bad, Tulane's not great. Cincinnati's not great either. Temple's starting to figure it out for a while. They didn't look great either. And I get that you could go through every conference and say that about each conference, but when you look at the top teams from the Big Ten, which you have you have Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, like those five teams, if you put them against the top five teams in the AAC, I don't think that three of those games are close because the Big Ten is just better. 
Memphis can hold their own. UCF can hold their own. USF is overrated. They haven't beat anybody, and they're one losses to Houston. Houston probably could compete, but I think it depends on who they would be playing. And I don't even know who the fifth team. Navy? Navy's defense is atrocious. Their triple option would keep them in the game, but I think that's the the reason is the Big Ten has more depth than the AAC does right now. But that doesn't mean that, going back to our argument again, it doesn't mean that a team like UCF doesn't belong. Like, they're doing exactly what they need to do. They're dominating the games they need to dominate, but yet they still get no love. But I think because the Big Ten has more depth, that's why they have the higher ranking. I'm not saying that's right, but that's just what I think in terms of why the Big Ten is better. I want to bring up another argument that it just kind of popped in my head now because you just kind of brought attention to something. So something we talked about last time when we weren't recorded was how strength of schedule seems to be something that's all of a sudden a big deal. And I just kind of wanted to touch on the fact that we have to put into account that when some of these teams schedule these games, well, not just some, actually. What am I saying? All of these teams, when they schedule these games, they're years in advance. Like, we're not talking like, you know, the year before they're going to decide, well, I want to play a, all right, well, let's see, um, well, Middle Tennessee State, they were good last year, so let's put them on. Well, then three, you know, three years from now when you play them, they could be no good. And the same could be said that, hey, when UCF put Illinois on their schedule, they thought, you know, hey, it's a Big Ten team. Maybe, I mean, let's be real, Illinois hasn't been really that good for a while. But in their minds, it's a Big Ten team, so that will help our credibility when, you know, we're, we're making this rise as we're trying to do as a, as a whole program, in their case, down there. And then the same Thing could be said for UCF when they schedule a Maryland team like we've already talked about, where hey, we're going to put a Big Ten team on our schedule, and hey, yes, okay, we're not putting one of the big dogs in the Big Ten in there. You you mentioned most of those teams, but we want to test our 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 fate against those teams. Well, they go in there and they mop the floor with them. So the, I think that it kind of proved that the 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 better teams of the AAC can can compete. They, I really do think that you know if they had a legitimate shot, and UCF of course is getting punished because of the fact that the Georgia Tech game got canceled. I I don't think we can argue that. I really do think they're getting punished for that, uh, which is something that if they somehow got that game rescheduled, would have really changed a lot of things. I feel like they win that game and UCF is at least in the top 10. But again, it's just one of those scenarios where UCF is, I mean, they're just really getting shafted just because just because of the conference they're in. It really has nothing to do with what's going on the field. It's more about what conference they're in. Yeah, and one, th- I guess one thing, I just have one question. Why Do, do you know why? Because I don't know this, the answer to this, but why do college football teams schedule those games so far in advance? Like, why don't they have a scheduling committee put together the schedules each year? Like, you still play your conference schedule, but, Funny. like, I don't I don't know why. That's why I'm asking. It's um, 
it's all about money. I mean, to be honest, you, you schedule. I mean, certain schools. Well, obviously, for certain schools, you know, they schedule out of conference rivalries every year. You know, like I went to Temple, so I can talk about how you know Temple and Penn State. They're not in conference, but when they play each other, it's because it's one of those things where it is a rivalry. People will show up to Philadelphia. That's another draw for the state fans because it is Philadelphia, so they can call it down there. So that is part of the draw in the end. It always comes down to money in the end. But, I mean, why so in advance? I think – and it is for all sports. So it comes down to the same thing for, for basketball, too. You just need to plan these things out in advance just because, I mean, you got to – there's only so much you got to plan venue space and little things like that. That It's not that where you can just plan something out a year in advance. It's something you got to plan out over time. I mean, just – I mean, just – and I'm not trying to act like that as any kind of insider with that. I mean, I'm just trying to be logical with that. Right. It's just – you know, there's you know, there's so many all these factors in it. It's not that easy to do. Like, for example, just to bring it back to UCF, it's not like Scott Frost had anything to do with the schedule that they had this year. We had nothing. To, he was not there when that schedule was made. Same thing with Charlie Strong this year. He had no clue with us. Yeah, I mean, he took the job, and what the schedule was made t- probably two years ago, maybe three years ago. Right, and you have to put that pressure back on the schedule makers because if you look at so what, I didn't argue this before, but one. I of think them, it comes back to the schools. Yeah, right. That, yeah, that's what I meant. Right, that's what I meant. Yeah, but you look at the reason. Like, here's why USF's not ranked. They haven't beaten anybody. I get that you don't know that Illinois is not going to be good. All of their wins are terrible, and then they lost to Houston. So, like, the schools need to – if you really want to be taken seriously, and we talk about bridging the gap, and we talk about these the, – specifically the AAC, getting a chance to play in a New Year's Six bowl game or even the playoff we're talking about, you need to start scheduling more of these Power Five schools on your schedule. I know Houston's starting to take that step, and I get that it's more difficult to get a Power 5 school because I think the Power 5 schools don't want that gap to be closing, so they're not going to openly schedule a team that they... And that's the biggest part of the problem in the end, I think. Right, which is unfortunate, but I think that's more entertaining. Like, okay, last year, Houston and Oklahoma, probably you can make an argument that that was the best game of the year and that people actually cared about it. So, and I know that people from Oklahoma probably hated that they were playing Houston and then as soon as Houston beat Florida State in the Peach Bowl, I know that Sooners fans were not thrilled that they had to play them. Granted, they probably still thought, oh, we're going to run over this Houston team. But Houston won the game. And more games like that are going to be important if this gap is going to close and if teams like UCF, USF, Houston, whoever, are going to be taken seriously. But I would I want to make this argument. So I feel like back in the day, and I don't know, maybe it's just something just because we weren't back around back in the day, but like these out-of-conference schedules that some of these teams schedule, like they're just – a little bit out of whack. They don't. Some of them. So yes, I talked about how some of them involve money. So like, 
if you are a school such as, I don't know, Al- oh, well, perfect example this week, Alabama's playing Mercer, right? That's a cash grab for Mercer. And it's an easy win for Alabama. And we understand the point of that. But what is the real point behind it? Why not schedule a game that is at least a little bit more meaningful in the sense of, hey, schedule at least an in-state, I don't want to say an in-state rival, but like an in-state opponent. So give, say, for for Alabama's sake, go against South Alabama. Why, why not go against them? And the argument for, okay, again, I'm a Temple alum. In the upcoming years, we have scheduled a home-and-home home with Miami, the U. Why? You know, I mean, what does, in the end, what does Temple really get out of that? Yeah, okay, uh, they get to go down to the U, probably get their ass kicked. Miami comes up here, does the same to them. Yes, okay, the U has come to Lincoln Financial Field. Okay, so what? Why not play Penn State and in the same year play Pitt? Two games that, hey, you want to bring real fans into Lincoln Financial Field, Pitt fans will show up, Penn State fans will show up. More in-state rivals than these, all these, all of a sudden, like, we got all these things that are all over the coast. And I understand, yeah, we're trying to bring everything to be a national game, or, yeah, a national game, I guess. But make make all the games. About it. That's the thing that's really blowing my mind. I mean, we can just go through I talked about earlier about these uh, bowl games make all of these games matter most. And well, I'm granted, college football. The great thing about it is, in the end, all the games do matter. Well, make them. You can make them matter even a little bit more if you were to say, you know, like I said earlier, Temple's playing Penn State and Pitt every year instead of. I mean, in Temple's example here, they're playing Tulsa to close the season. It's not like they're playing a rival, whereas. You know, we got the I-4 Bowl that's coming up, which I hope that they keep being the end of the season for the AAC for at least those two teams for every for every year. Agreed. And, I, yeah, I think scheduling more regional teams will do a lot. Now, the reason why Alabama can, well, Alabama can schedule whoever they, they want to. In the end, I, and that's just the only reason why Mercer's on the schedule. Everybody's going to say yes to them, right? Yeah, I mean, who's you know, Alabama comes up to you and says, "Hey, we got a million dollars to come play us, and we're going to kick the crap out of you." No one's going to think, "Oh, well, I, I don't want to because I don't want to get the crap kicked out of my team." Like There's we're going to exposure, yeah, exposure, exposure, and teams need the money, which is the hard part. Like those smaller teams need the money. So if Alabama's going to fork over a million dollars to play one game, that doesn't mean anything to you, really. Like, you have nothing to lose, which is great because your kids can play loose, but there's really no other reason. I mean, Mercer, like, Mercer could lose this game, and it doesn't mean anything. And, I mean, they're 5-5, five and five, so they're pretty much out of whatever race they're, they may or may not be in, but it doesn't matter who it is. I mean, NDSU... James Madison, they could go play Alabama. Doesn't doesn't affect them one bit, other than they might get guys hurt, you know. So, I agree. You might as well just schedule someone regional where you know fans will actually show up for the game versus scheduling a team that 
has no relation to your school and is really you're just playing for money and there's really no other motive for your kids to play in that game. Yeah, there's just a lot of things about you know college football does a great job. Don't get me wrong. Uh, obviously, we are big fans if we were going to be doing all of this, but it's just, there's things that in general I don't understand about just not just not about the American Conference. We can talk about every conference in general. Um, and we can start with the whole college football rankings. UCF should be ranked a lot higher than they are. Being number 15, in my eyes, is way, way too low. I guess at this point, do you want to go through the bowl projections that uh, our buddy Tanner went through? Because some of those games are actually, well, there's one in general that is really intriguing. And there's another one that that has changed since last week since he's done these, and we Again, we weren't here last week, and I keep bringing it up just because... You're bitter. I am bitter about it, man. It, we, I mean, I like you, Joey, but two hours of um, talking for... Because we didn't have dinner together, that's why. Yeah, that's more of what it was. <laughs> more of what it was. <laughs> at, least, uh, at least we could have shared a few beers together. True. Know, something. Just talk on the phone for that long. Jesus. Or for me, at least in this microphone. So, anyways, let's go through some of these. Um, and then, like I said, some of them have changed, but just to go through them. Houston versus App State in the AutoNation Cure Bowl. Again, while I would be intrigued by this game because I am a fan of college football, and I know that these are two pretty solid teams, but... Again, what would the casual college football want to do with this game? They're not going to watch it. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, <laughs> we can just reopen our debate. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's, you know, it's just like one of those. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, you know, Houston and F State, they're like two of those teams that, even if we were going to go into the whole discussion about the G5 playoff thing, I don't think those. There are like two teams that would be like on the fringe of it, so we don't even know if that like they like two teams in the matter. It's which is so the whole reason why I even said it is because the next two teams, and this is the bowl game that does really intrigue me, and this is the one that intrigues us both, and that is South Florida against Florida Atlantic, and the Boca Raton, and I hope I'm saying that right, Boca Raton Bowl. That's a game I would 100 percent be interested in watching. Charlie Strong versus Lane Kiffin. Same. Yeah, and I, but I think also if so say say that the play the G five playoff was happening, I believe these two teams I don't know what the how many teams would be in this playoff, but I'm pretty sure both these teams would be in it and that's why this bowl game is interesting is because these two teams aren't gonna make the regular playoff but still deserve to face off against another good G5 team if they're not going to play against a Power 5 school. And that's the argument I was going to make too. So you just did all that for me. So can we actually call that, can we call that game the winner gets the Florida job game? Ooh. We, right? Well, maybe. I don't know if that game gets the Florida job. I think that's a good one, right? We can make that up. I like that. I think that I think that's something we have to actually um, 
maybe float out there. Maybe. Uh, just to keep going through, and I know I know this is really a bowl you're not a fan of, and that is Memphis taking on Middle Tennessee State in the Birmingham Bowl. Again, a bowl game that means absolutely nothing for a Memphis team that is pretty damn good and is going to end up being in a worthless bowl game. Right, and that's my problem is, okay, no offense to Middle Tennessee because I love Brent Stockstill and Richie James has been hurt all year, which kind of sucks, but Memphis deserves, and I know, okay, I should say this too, I know that they don't get to just, like, pick, oh, well, we're the second best team in the AAC, we're, we deserve to play a Power 5 team, blah, 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 but playing a team like like Middle Tennessee, who's kind of in the middle of the Conference USA, I don't know, I haven't looked at the standings lately for them, because everything seems to be super compact for them, so I don't know if they're near the top or if they're more in the middle, but yeah, they're more in the middle. They're five and five. What is what does Memphis gain after the year that they have this year, what do they gain from playing Middle Tennessee, who might be uh six and six, seven and five, and Memphis is gonna be ten and two, maybe eleven and one if they pull off the upset. Like that, that I mean, and obviously things will change, but I think it's just a waste of Memphis' time to play in a game like that. They don't gain anything from it. If anything, they just have everything to lose in that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. but I can't argue anything you said there, just because of the fact that if you're a ten-win team, and then like you you said, you're a ten-win team, and then your best-case scenario possibly is to go against a six and six team in the playoff. I mean, this this game alone just proves my point for the whole reason for for the playoff. Give Memphis something to play for. Make them play. Hey, make them play the winner of UCF FAU. I would rather watch Memphis play Houston again than watch Houston play App State and Memphis play Middle Tennessee. Have Middle Tennessee play App State and have Memphis and Houston play again. I'd rather watch that than a game that doesn't mean anything, which I don't, Memphis and Houston probably won't mean much more, but at least Houston's going to be 8-3, and three. at least be, it's a rematch of a game that was closely contested, I'd rather watch that than watch those two teams play the team that they're projected to play. Yeah, that's another, I mean, we can dive in, that's a whole other discussion about how some of these bowl games obviously have conference tie-ins and things of that nature. Uh, and I, that's, well, no, honestly, that's the whole reason why you're going to even have this Birmingham Bowl game between these two teams. Uh, just to, I guess, just to just to keep it going because we could just keep ranting about how Memphis really just has. I mean, and in this scenario, obviously, we are talking about Memphis not winning the conference. We are talking about UCF just going. Actually, at this point, we're talking about UCF running the table. Um, but just keep it going. So the next game is the other game that intrigues us a little bit. And that is the SMU Mustangs going to the Hawaii Bowl to take on Wyoming. That is a game that does intrigue me a little bit. Because there is a lot of what some people are considering NFL talent that could probably be in that game. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why, why people are interested. It's kind of flirting on that that line of does it really matter are these two teams teams that we 
would consider if there was, you know, or, or amongst the top of the group of five? The answer, I mean, the answer is no right now. So that's why it's flirting on the line. But you have players like Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn on SMU, and then you have Josh Allen on Wyoming, who people are going to want to watch. So that at least, you have that factor going into it. But like I said, it's kind of flirting on that line of, is it? does this actually matter? Are we really watching anything? Are we going to learn anything from this game, or is this just like another game that really doesn't matter in the end? Again, yeah. Uh, there's really nothing you can say because it's more about which team is going to be more up for the game. Uh, who? I mean, hell, it's the Hawaii board. Who's going to be more worried about sitting on the beach in Hawaii and having a good time or showing up to play football? Uh, a game like that, you really don't know. Right, and it is that, and that's Christmas Eve too. Uh, that's another no, thing. No exactly. one's watching that game. Yep. You know, it's, people have other yeah, things that they're doing. For the, I mean, it's a great experience for the kids. Again, I've never been to Hawaii, so good for them. They get to go to Hawaii, so that's a great experience for them. And who really wants to play football? That's what it's really going to come to come down to in a game like that. Um, we talked a little bit about about the uh, Military Bowl, which is a game which will feature Navy and Georgia Tech. Uh, again, another game where if you're both squads, you know, obviously Navy will never back down of a fight. You know, they will always be in it, and that's because of the triple option is – at this point, let's just say Navy's triple option is a pain for everyone. I mean, at this point, I'm I'm almost willing to say a lot of SDC schools' defenses that have some of the better defense would have a hard time covering just because it is a pain. But it's, again, a game where who really wants to watch these two teams square off against each other? Right, and if Navy wins, what does that like? What does that say? Doesn't prove anything. You know, I mean, maybe it shows where they'd be in the ACC, but like, does it really? It's just one game. It doesn't like. I don't know. It's yeah. It, I think it's in that same category. Like, does it really matter? I don't think that'll be the matchup, obviously, but like, it, I don't know. It doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. And then the last one, which is it's it's the NY Six Bowl, the New York Six Bowl. UCF against TCU. Again, TCU at this point, what are they really playing for? Obviously, UCF in the scenario, they would be an undefeated team not in the playoffs, not getting the opportunity to prove that they're one of the best teams in the country who is undefeated. So they have everything to play for. They go into this game, you know, as gangbusters. Like, they, they have every reason to go in there and destroy TCU. If you're TCU, what do you have to play for? Like, you, they have nothing to play for, those guys. They have no benefit to the game. I mean, you know, other than you're a senior, that's your last game. What does that game really mean to you? Right, it goes back, it kind of goes back to the Memphis, Middle Tennessee argument. You'd, you would hope that TCU, I think when you were starting to get into these kind of bowl games, 
I, I maybe I'm naive, but I would like to think that these games mean something to both teams. You would like to think that TCU's going to be sick of hearing because people are going to say, "Oh, can you see it pull off the upset?" Like that's going to be a storyline going into this. So you would like sure. to you would like to think that TCU's going to take that personally and get ready to play the game, which I think they do because it is an important bowl game. So once we start getting up to this level, both teams are going to be prepared to play. But yeah, it is. That's the question, though. Is TCU going to want to want to play this game? Is it just going to be kind of the same thing? Like it's just like you said for the seniors, they're just trying to get one last hurrah, or are they going to take it seriously and we're going to have a great game? Yeah, I think in the end, for for the conference as a whole, the they have their opportunity to really showcase themselves. It's not really this week. It's going to come down to that. It's really going to come down to the, that final week, obviously. I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, the war on I-4. It's going to be a nationally televised game. The thing is, I'm not sure how I feel about that time slot. 3.30 on Black Friday. I know I'm, not, I'm usually 3.30 on a weekend. I'm sitting around a TV. And yeah, I understand it's the day after Thanksgiving, but I don't know if I I'm I'm hanging out to watch that game. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how I feel about that slot. I still feel like a a nighttime slot was probably the best call for that situation there. Right, and there's no I don't think there's any other games on that Friday. I would understand if it was Saturday when you have like the Iron Bowl, but I don't know. Like what's on what's on? I don't I I don't watch Friday night. TV unless it's sports, so I really don't know. But what is stopping ABC from having that game at seven or eight o'clock? Yeah, as opposed to three thirty. I have no idea. It's that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then, you know, basically, I mean, if you really want to come down to it, the next three weeks are really championship games for the whole conference. Memphis gets a win this week; they lock up the West. I uh, just brought up the uh, the Warren I four. That's it's obvious at this point that unless well we'll talk about that in a little bit unless somebody gets upset this week, but I I don't think it'll happen. But we've seen crazier things happen, so that comes down to the Warren I four, and then after that we're gonna have the you know the, obviously the championship game. So this is really the best shot for this conference to present itself. So hopefully, if I am Memphis and I come into this game this week and and I blow, you know, I I get a huge win. Same goes for UCF. Same goes for USF. We have a great game next Friday afternoon. And then that conference game, or the conference championship game, excuse me, is a great game. And then, again, there is no scenario where UCF is going to get in the top four, but at least let's put them... I would like to see them at least in the top six, so at least we can start the discussion of, hey, when is finally a school like that going to get the real shot? And maybe that day will finally come, but if not, we got to wait and see. I guess we just got to wait and see. I guess with on that note, we will go through these power rankings a little bit. We're just going to go through them very quick because it's funny. Me and you thought that uh, this show might not go that long. We're already at an hour. 
So let me just go through these real quick. Um, obvious are UCF 1, Memphis 2, USF at 3, Houston at 4. The only change we made and the only thing why I'm bringing this up is because there was the only major change was Navy and SMU flip-flopped, and that's after their game this past week. Uh, I, I personally was, when I saw the score at halftime, I was a little bit shocked, to be honest, when I saw it was 34-1, uh, to 1, I was, or excuse me, 34-11. to 11, I was just like, wow, uh, where is SMU's offense? Of course, in the second half, they woke up. Uh, this was also a game where I think it's a little bit funny. Navy attempted one pass. It was picked off. And there are, uh, you mentioned in the power rankings and in the the three things we've learned how uh, Zach Abbey got hurt, so they went to uh, Malcolm Perry. And, I mean, he proved the, that kid is definitely a game changer with his legs. He, do not let him pass the ball. They don't need to pass the ball. They just prove that. So, Well, yes, they proved that also. I mean, yeah, when you, have, you throw one pass, it gets picked off, and then – you have 33 carries for 282 yards and four touchdowns. It kind of just proves that, that you know, just put someone in. Even Garrett Lewis, the, the third string, isn't even that bad either. I mean, he hasn't had time to show what he can really do, but you just put someone in there and the offense just seems to function just fine. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable how that – I mean, in the end, that's why I said that triple option, and it's starting to be one of those things where – I hate to say this, but, like, is Keenan Reynolds really that good? Is Will Worth really that good? Or is it a product of the system? Both. Don't be insulting those two. I See, I don't want to. I mean, I, I really like Keenan Reynolds, too. Yeah. So I really don't want to insult I think they're both good, um, but you, there's a big factor of a product of the system. Yes. And I think, just, and I think it's just more of, hey, back in the day, a lot of teams had that triple option, so it, you know, it took that time for that gap to kind of open up. Where how do you defend it? As now we're, we're well, I don't think anybody's going to ever with the rules that are in place today. These spread offenses are never going to be easy to cover, but it's not going to be easy to cover a team like a triple option just because it's so different than what everybody else is doing. Um, but, yeah, so just to keep throwing through the rest of the uh, power rankings, at number seven, it is Temple. The only other change that we have is that we put Tulane at eight and Cincinnati at nine, UConn 10, Tulsa 11, ECU at 12. No real surprises there, I would think. Yeah, not a ton of change, like we said, but that I think – we might see some change in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we finally have, like we kind of touched on a little bit, we'll have some of these top teams going against each other. Uh, I, I I like some of these matchups going into this week just because I feel like some of them are on the same level of competition, so I'm really curious to see how they will fare against each other. And we'll go in order like we always do as they play. Um this is not one of those games that is the same order of competition. We might have thought that maybe coming into the season, but at this point, definitely not. Uh, a 2-8 and eight Tulsa team taking on South Florida. That game is at 7.30 on Thursday. 
the only game that's not on uh, Saturday this week for the AFC, and it's another ESPN game, so it is a nationally televised game. So even that shows you that ESPN thought that Tulsa was going to be a lot better this year than it ended up being. Two teams coming off a bye. Tulsa's lost seven of the last eight senior night for South Florida. Uh, earlier this week, and I give them, do give him credit, Philip Montgomery did say that Tulsa's record is a lot worse than it really shows. They have lost four of those games literally in the final drive. They probably could be a bowl eligible team, you know, if they turn those things around. This is a Tulsa team that does rush the ball well, but this is a Bulls defense that is also only allowing nineteen point nine points per game. So uh Flowers is coming off his best game ever, so in my eyes the Bulls run away with this one with ease. I agreed. I can't see a scenario that USF loses in this game, but then again, I thought that with Houston and Tulsa beat them, so I think there is some truth to Montgomery's statement that their record isn't as good as you know they thought that it was going to be, and there were a couple games that could have gone the other way, but uh, yeah, it's just been kind of disappointing how bad they've been. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he holds on to his job at the end of the year. Hopefully, um, the, the people above at Tulsa buy into that statement there, to the fact that, I mean, and it is kind of true if you really think about it. I mean, they've been on the uh, wrong side of uh, a lot of mis- misfortune at the end of games. Um, just to keep going through this, because uh, we know we're kind of going along here, the next game is a 12 p.m. game. It is those UCF Knights at 9-0 and on the road, at a Temple team who is 5-5, five and five, who is looking to potentially sneak into a bowl game themselves. You know, I didn't bring them up in the, uh, the uh, bowl projections because they're not in yet, but they, they still have the opportunity to do so. And that's why I think this is a game here where UCF really can't overlook a Temple team who all of a sudden who has figured it out offensively and the defense has been doing its part all season long. Yeah, Temple some suddenly a hot team coming into this week. They're on a two-game winning streak, which doesn't, you know, give us a ton of confidence going in, but it, compared to what they were, how they were playing earlier in the season, it it really does. Yeah, that's the thing. Temple is historically good at the link, and I don't know if it was one of those things where, I mean, UCF did jump out to a 21-3 lead in the first quarter, against UConn last week, and then things got a little bit scary in that third quarter. Uh, you know, uh, there was a, a fumble there, UConn recovers, and they could have been in a position to really put a scare into UCF, and then, you know, UCF kind of just blew that game wide open, obviously. So when you look at the end score, it looks like it was a total blowout. But as, like I said, it's one of those games where Temple, they have something to play for here. They are still looking. They have two games left. They One game gets them into a bowl game. And granted, obviously, I think we both agree they have a better shot when they go against Tulsa next week. But they also realize now that, hey, you know, they don't want to put themselves in that situation where 
they have to be in that basically a one game playoff win you're in. You can do your you can do your damage here against a, a UCF team that like I said earlier could be looking ahead to what is obviously their biggest rival taking on a uh, a South Florida team. So Temple, like I said, they've been a lot better with Frank Newtile on her offense. They've scored uh, 24 plus points in their last five games. Uh, if this is a UCF, like I said, UCF really cannot overlook this game. So hopefully for see, I'm, I'm like in a weird spot here. Me as a, uh, a Temple alum, I, I, I obviously want them to get a win, but at the same time, as a fan of the AAC and the whole G5 slash, I guess I should say, Power 6 movement, I hope that UCS continues this undefeated run and just causes some kind of mayhem in all of these college football playoff rankings that we've been talking to. Yeah, it's better for UCF to win for the conference as a whole. No, I obviously agree with that. I mean, I 100% agree with that. Uh, the other big game that's at 12 o'clock, on Saturday will be SMU's 6-4 team at Memphis, 8-1. Games at 12 o'clock on ESPN News. Memphis is a 12-point favorite. Like I said earlier, Memphis wins this week, clinches the division. Uh, SMU is coming off back-to-back losses to UCF and Navy. So I guess, yeah, for in their sakes, uh, you know, it doesn't – ever feel good to lose back-to-back games, but you're talking about, obviously, the best team in the conference, and a Navy team who is, like I said earlier, hard to defend. Um, two teams with two high-powered offenses, two of the best quarterback-wide receiver combinations as well. Uh, this is a game, in my eyes, is obviously the best game of the week. Well, it could be, it could be a shootout, which... Would be exciting to watch because, I mean, both defenses have struggled at times this year. SMU's has struggled a lot more than Memphis' defense has. But if Memphis, for whatever reason, if their defense can't get it going or they can't make a stop when they need to, then this this could be a shootout and we could see a lot of points on the scoreboard. And, I mean, both, both offenses, like you said, are high-powered enough to keep scoring. So if... If their offense needs to get the job done, both of them are certainly capable of doing that. I think we both agree that Memphis' defense at this point of the season is a lot better than SMU's, though. Yeah, agree. So I, I think that it, they have their moments, though. Oh yeah, but I mean that's both sides, though. I mean we can make that argument too. That's both sides. But I think like in in the long run, you know Memphis has shown its part to be the better defense. But here's, I mean, in my eyes, I'm I'm a little bit more curious to see. So, you know, Hicks might have the better offensive talent about around him, though. So we'll see. That's what I'm. We'll see. Yeah, that's a, that that that's the thing I'm a little bit you know curious to see how it plays out. So, like I said earlier, this is a game for Memphis. They win this game. You know, that's it. I mean, they could somehow lose that last game, but they are still going in to represent. I mean, that would be a terrible situation for UCS, obviously. Honestly, 
if somehow Memphis doesn't make it to that final game, and I think this is a discussion we haven't had yet, but if somehow Memphis doesn't make it to that game with the one loss, it's really a a bad thing for UCF. Yep, I'm right there with you. It's UCF needs Memphis to be a one-loss team going into that final game, and I th- honestly, in my opinion, I think the the winner of that game is who goes to the New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, yes, I totally agree with that. Uh, I don't think there should be – if somehow the committee makes it happen that – and we just saw – you know, I was talking a little bit earlier. Somehow they sneak Boise in there. Again, that would just be based on past history. Uh, that that would be something that doesn't make sense to me. Looking back on, on the seasons, I still argue that UCF or Memphis teams, by far for the G5 schools, have had the best seasons. And even arguing the USF schedule. I want to make this argument real quick about USF. We gave, we're gave we giving them a hard time all season long about their out-of-conference schedule, how they played bad against Stony Brook and San Jose State. But once they've gotten into their conference schedule, they have they have done their part. Like the bad teams they've beat up on and the teams that they're – you know, even the, the average teams they've beat up on. And we will finally see if they can pull off that win against UCF then, hey, they are a lot better than advertised. And we could say that that loss to – I, again, say because they lost to Houston that it's a pretty good loss. Yeah, and I counter with they beat absolutely – I know they've killed everybody. Well, not everybody, but they're playing so many bad teams. It's just that's what's hard for me. I mean, sure, they beat San Jose State by 20, but San Jose State's 1-10. in 10. Stony Brook's an FCS team. Illinois is garbage. Temple's better, so that win looks better. ECU is the worst team in our conference. Cincinnati's like the fourth worst. Tulane's like the fifth, fourth worst. And UConn's the third worst team. And then they're playing Tulsa as the second worst. So it's hard for me to get excited about. Like, I understand beating teams and looking good, but when you're beating really bad competition, which I know they can't do anything about, but it's like. I don't know. It's just hard for me to get excited about that team. So uh, I I understand this is radio or podcast, whatever you you could say about it. But I wish you could see. So like in my head, as I, I made the statement about how they're just beating up on teams, and then you're going through that list. Like I'm making facial expressions. Like yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it's just getting worse and worse and worse as he goes through there. It's hard, uh, yeah, and like you look at Boise State's schedule. They beat Troy, who is probably going to win the Sun Belt. Which take that for whatever it's worth. They beat LSU, Washington State. Well, and they well, yeah, well. I guess yeah. who's I guess exactly. who's ranked against, or excuse me, who's ranked in the yeah. top twenty-five? But I mean, you could do that they, with all of college football. Right, and even their loss to Washington State, they lost by three points, and they were winning that game for most of the game. Granted, they choked it, but that's, we won't go down there, but they lost by three to the 15th best team in the nation, right? Or 14th, excuse me. And then they beat San Diego State. That's a pretty good win. They have they have three or four wins on here that you could, you could take two of them, and they're better than all of USF's wins right now. Like, this is how bad it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as you were going through that, I was just like, wow. I guess in my head, yeah, I mean, you just look at a record. The schedule makers, again, do the – I mean, that's the hard part, though, because the conference schedule makers, they just figure it out. I think that's right. totally different. 
Anyways, let's just go through these final three games. So we have in these final three, uh, Navy is one of the outer conference games. They'll be on the road against Notre Dame. This is a Notre Dame team who is obviously going to be pretty pissed off coming off that game against Miami. So that line's at 18 and a half. That's the thing. I mean, we kind of just talked about it a little bit earlier. Navy's offense is so unpredictable, but again, Navy, they have something to, or excuse me, Notre Dame has something to prove. So, and we don't know what's the situation, unless you know, because I'm not sure off the top of my hand, what's the, uh, what's the situation with Zach Abbey? Are they going to go with Perry in this game or not? If if they're if they're if they're going with Perry, if they're going with Perry, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, you obviously know that. I mean, hell, Notre Dame can stack the box with ten guys. Yeah, I don't think it matters who's playing quarterback. Yeah, so Nord, I mean, just that that 18 numbers, you know, a little bit weird for betting purposes. But yeah, this is a game where Nord, Notre Dame, well, you know. They'll run away with this one. Like I said, they're going to be pretty upset about what just happened to them, and they're going to take it out on Navy. Yeah, agreed. Uh, then um, the, the the last interconference game is a six and three Houston team taking it on Tulane, who's four and eight. It's at four p.m. on ESPN News. Houston is a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, Houston's coming off a bye, so they've had time to prepare for this game. That also means Derek King has had time to get more acclimated with the offense. He's obviously has been a spark for the Cougars since he has taken over as quarterback. Uh, Tulane is coming off what I would consider a pretty embarrassing, yeah, it's a win, but it's an embarrassing one. So you needed overtime to beat an ECU team that is obviously on the bottom of our power rankings. Houston is, I mean, I think, honestly, I think that nine and a half points is kind of favorable for the Cougars, considering that I think that they are coming off the bye and have a lot more time to prepare for this game. Yeah, and it's two teams that are going in different directions. Tulane's on the way on their way down. They did win and end their losing streak, so they slowed it down a little. But Tulane's definitely not going in the right direction, and Houston's just starting to figure things out. And like you said, they came off a bye, so I think nine points could be a good number, but it also could be a higher number, and I'd probably still feel comfortable with it. Yeah, and I I honestly think that. A description that you put there was perfect. They're two teams on on different scenarios right now. One's on a high, one's on a low. I I, I really like that. Um, and then the last game for an AAC team is a Boston College who's five and five is traveling. I mean, I don't know if it's really traveling that far, but they're traveling to UConn. That game's at 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. That again. I still don't get Fix Yourself Horizon. A little bit shocked that Boston College, this is Boston College, this is a team that is notoriously not a offensive powerhouse, to say the least, is a 21-point favorite. What? Yep, as long as I haven't been lied to. And you know what? I made this mistake a couple weeks ago. I trust the good old... ESPN for their stuff, and I saw a 21. Hold up, let me make sure that I'm doing this right again. 
That's what I'm seeing on ESPN right now. Let me see what my good old friends are Bovada. I should only trust Bovada, but when I do my um, my research for this, for some reason I trust ESPN. Why? I don't know. And it's going to take – give me a minute. Joey, talk about something. Well, I, I mean, 21's surprising, but at the same time, it's not. I'm pretty sure Boston College can cover. I, I think that's a – actually, I think that's a good number for UConn. That's why I want to look that number up. Yeah. Well, so, like, my argument is, so this is Boston College. We're talking about a team that historically doesn't score a lot of points. Um, Steve Adazzo is a coach, former Temple coach, that, again, is not more known for – having a ground attack so they don't score a ton of points. And on top of that, they're going into this game with a backup quarterback. So I think that that 21 number is something that if you are a betting person, that's something you can definitely take advantage of. And, yeah, yep, on, on Bovada, Bovada actually even has it at 21 and a half, which really, I love a good hook. So that really intrigues me. I think that just shows you how bad UConn's defense is. And A.J. Dillon, the running back for Boston College, is a stud. So I think yeah. he's going to go off against UConn. So maybe 21 might be high, but at the same time, I don't see a scenario where UConn wins. Oh, no, don't, you know oh, don't get me wrong. Did you, know this, did you know this game that played at Fenway? Yes, actually, I did I know that. I just saw that. Yes, I did know that. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool that the game is there. Uh, I, I think there was a game just there also. I was doing some, or maybe that was I was actually doing my research and they were talking about that game. I don't know. I'm doing a little bit too much college sports right now between doing this podcast with the AAC and then doing the whole thing, what I'm doing with the whole Maryland thing. That's why I bring up the Terps a whole lot because I do a lot of coverage with them too. But, yeah, as far as this episode goes, you got anything else we want to say about the AAC because we have really gone along in this one. No, sir. I'm good. Yeah, I guess. Um, and well, an hour and a half of college. Hey, we had a lot to talk about. True. We had two weeks of stuff to talk about. So hopefully, I know we had a couple of listeners ask where was our episode last week. Again, we were sorry. I'm going to blame Joey. He didn't hit record. You didn't hit record. That's fine. I'll take the blame. Nah, we can both take the blame because we have the same stuff. It didn't work for either of us, so. Hopefully it's working right now for us. Otherwise, we did this for nothing. But, again, until next time, this has been episode 41 of the Underdog Podcast. Can't believe we're already at week 12.